When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here with the off-season wrap-up episode. I'm just going to empty my notebook with pretty much everything that I saw this spring under Brian Dayball, the new head coach, and general manager Joe Shane. So I have a lot to get to. Uh, included is Brian Dable earning some brownie points from me personally, maybe unintentionally, actually, definitely unintentionally. I'll also do a Giants after dark later, and we'll talk a little bit about a potential Saquon Barkley golf match with yours truly. So we got a lot to get to, but first let's talk about minicamp, which just ended. So the Giants had minicamp. I'm taping this on Friday, on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Ended on uh, June 8th, I believe the date was. So June 7th, June 8th, June 9th, they take off, right? Well, they don't take off. They have meetings and they have a barbecue. So no on-field practice. Big move by Brian Dable in my book. Unintentionally, he doesn't know it, but my little guy, Brody, under the weather. You know, two-and-a-half-year-old, under the weather. Someone's got to stay home with him. You, you know, if you had little kids, you know how this works, right? The... Kids are sick all the time, by the way. So when they're sick, if both parents are working, someone's got to make the sacrifice and stay home that day. Now, the previous week on Thursday, I had already pulled the card where I have to go to work. The wife has to, you know, rearrange her schedule on Thursday and stay home. So if I had to do it two weeks in a row, it would have been problematic. And if you've been in these situations before and you're married, you have a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, you know, if you pull that card, then they have an IOU. And the demand, the return favor, is always going to be even bigger than what you just pulled. Because look, I'd be pulling it for work. Then all of a sudden, the wife would be pulling it for personal purposes. You know, she'd be disappearing for days a day, going to do her own thing, ending up at the spa, nails, you know, things that cost me a lot of money, cost us a lot of money. So Brian Dayball, let's get this out real quick. Moving up my list, earn me, earning brownie points for me, even if it was unintentional. So good start for Brian Dayball. And now the Giants, minicamp. Not so great a start. Because let me say this. If they put out the team that they put out in minicamp on the field in the regular season, they're going to be a bad team. They're going to be a bad team team because as many as 15 players were in red jerseys now I get it and Brian Dable said this you know there's a fine line to walk you don't want to push guys in the spring when you don't really need to and I 100% agree with that but I mean look at this list of guys that were in red jerseys meaning they were injured in some capacity in minicamp Kayvon Thibodeau Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay Sterling Shepard Blake Martinez Andrew Thomas, Rodarius Williams, Darnay Holmes, Aaron Robinson. You're like, ah, big deal. 
uh, Rodarius Williams, Darnay Holmes, and Aaron Robinson. Big deal about those guys, right? Yeah, I, in most cases, yeah, big deal. But if you look what the Giants have behind them, it's a, it is a big deal. They need those, they're going to need those guys healthy to have a shot here. So they go out on the first play of minicamp. They go out on the field. Daniel Jones is out there, starting offensive line, minus Andrew Thomas. Is he still recovering from an ankle injury? I'll get to that in a second. Or ankle surgery, I should say. Minus Andrew Thomas on the offensive line. But Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, a quarterback. The, the receiver's out there. Mind you, first day of minicamp, mandatory minicamp, is David Sills and C.J. Board out wide with Richie James in the slot, okay? Come on. You want to give Daniel Jones a shot? That's not the way to go. Darius Slayton, by the, by the way, did not see him get a ton of reps with Daniel Jones this week, which little little head scratching there about, okay, if I were him, I'd be a little concerned about what my future is with the organization under the new regime. If they have all those guys injured, and he's not running with the first team. Now, I understand Wondell Robinson was on the field. He was working mostly with the second team and Tyrod Taylor, you know, or, or rotating in at times. But you get it with him. He's just learning the off. He, you know, he, I guess they're all learning the offense. But he's a rookie. He's swimming. Things are crazy. So, you know, and, and again, most of the time I'd be like, ah, injuries in the spring, not a big deal. Plenty of time to get healthy for training. But in this case, like I could brush off Kayvon Thibodeau. He was running. He was doing stuff on the side. I'm not, I wouldn't be overly concerned there. Blake Martinez, he seemed to be coming back. Sterling Shepard, you know, he's coming back from a serious injury. He seems to be moving pretty well. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about those guys. Those are, you know, but when we're talking about Kadarius Tony, when we're talking about Kenny Galladay, well, even when we're talking about Andrew Thomas now, he had ankle surgery. I don't care if it's different ankles. He had ankle surgery now, what, after each of his first two seasons? For a big guy, to me, and now he's out, He, you know, he's limited in the spring. To me, that's something that I, you at least have to monitor. Kadarius Tony, he's on the sideline after a rookie year where, quite frankly, he had everything, including COVID twice. Hamstring injury, ankle injury, shoulder injury. I mean, all these different things. COVID twice. Wrong size shoe. So, you know, Kenny Galladay. He basically hasn't been healthy each of the last two seasons. He's less than 1,000 yards combined in the past two seasons because of injury. And now he's limited throughout the spring now. We saw him do some drills towards the end in minicamp a little bit. But still, the fact that there's this injury history with these guys, and now they're they're still dealing with something in the spring, it's something that you at least have to monitor. And and it bothers me. Now, the one positive, not the one positive, there, there was more positives, but the biggest positive, the biggest sort of highlight of the spring of watching the Giants. And maybe I'm a sucker on this one with Saquon, right? Maybe I'm a sucker for that talent. And when I see him out there and I see him healthy, I'm like, wow. You know, and and remember, they're in helmets and shorts. You see that talent. You see that athleticism. You're like, wow. You know, this guy could do some real damage. And I could be a sucker. Look, I was entranced by the talent of Evan Ingram every year in shorts and shoulder pads. I mean, shorts and helmets. Every year, Evan Ingram, I'm like, man, if this guy stays healthy, look at this talent. And Saquon Barkley, we have to be honest, he did not play well last year. Next Gen has a stat. It's uh, yards over uh, expectation. So basically, they look at the blocking, uh, everything, the situation, and they say how many yards an average running back, any running back would get on a certain play, depending on, you know, 
the, the size of the hole and all that good stuff. And he was in the negatives, you know, barely, but it was like minus 0.28. But so he was below the league average on yards over expectation. So he was yards under expectation last year. Did not play well. And he admitted something this week, which I found very interesting. The first time you really heard him make this admission. And it's that he had lost confidence last year and in the previous years. Right? Remember, because he has the knee injury. Comes back last year. And he's dealing with the knee injury or trying to get back from that knee injury early in the season. And it finally looks like he does in the New Orleans game. It was that week four. And then the following week in Dallas is when he steps on Cowboys cornerback Jordan Lewis's foot. And his season gets derailed again. But then he comes back. And he's running. He's just running soft. We have to be honest about it. He he ran soft. It was almost, and at the end, it was almost like he wasn't engaged anymore. He was lost. He was gone. So I found this quote very interesting. So I, and he's talking about, so Saquon Barkley is all over the field in this offseason, right? And I think you should expect that. Use more as a pass catcher. You're seeing him in the slot. You're seeing him out wide. You're seeing him in motion. You're seeing him as part of a two-man backfield with maybe another Wide receiver like a Wandale Robinson, maybe when Kadarius Tony's healthy. So you're just seeing Saquon do a lot of different things. He says this is the, the most he's been in different spots since college, right? So someone asked him, what's the biggest difference? from when he Because he went back and watched some college between what he saw in college and, you know, the past few years. So I would say the difference was I was a way more confident player in college and earlier in my career than I was prior to the last year. And then last year, now I'm starting to get that back, starting to get that swagger back. Wow. You know, to me, that's telling. Saquon Barkley is basically saying he had lost his confidence. And we could see that, right? Everybody knew it. He's he's, he's pitter-pattering and dancing a lot last year, not pounding it in, not being confident in his reads. Like We could see it. For him to admit it, though, is kind of telling. Now, he also mentioned that he's feeling really good. You know, I feel a lot better than I felt last year. He was rehabbing at this time. You know, his body feels good. Brian Dable said his long speed's good. His ability to put the foot, he was impressed by his ability to put his foot in the ground and cut. So basically, Saquon is looking more like Saquon his rookie year. That's a positive. Now, the big part is, can he stay healthy? You know, is he going to be able to hold up and last because the injuries have been the biggest problem, right? We're talking three straight seasons, ankle, right? High ankle sprain in 2019 kind of derailed that season, even though he had over a thousand yards, 2020 tears the ACL on his right knee. And then last year has that ankle injury in week five, five, yeah, five hurts the ankle in week five and misses, I believe it was three games, four games. And when he comes back, it's just, a total shell of the Saquon that we we saw before. Total shell. Now, with regards to this offense in general, Saquon as a receiver, something that stuck out in the spring. Uh, Daniel Jones, I mean, and, and I like this term because I thought it was clever. I called him, you know, they want him to be kind of like their jersey Josh Allen. Like, even if, even if Daniel Jones is 75% of Josh Allen and he's a, a version of that, the Giants would be happy, right? Because Josh Allen's basically... An MVP candidate. And you see some of those traits. You see them. Those 
what really, what really stuck out to me is you see, and this made me think, okay, this is how you know they're going to do some of the things that they did with Daniel, that they did with Josh Allen. The design runs, they're there. They're in that playbook. And not just a little bit here or there. No, no. This is going to be a significant part of the playbook. And I get it. Then you say, oh, we, how could they put Daniel Jones in that kind of danger, right? A guy who's injury prone, been injured every year. But if Daniel Jones is going to be who they want him to be, there's no holding back. He's not signed past this year. This is it. Throw everything out there. And so the design run, the RPOs, big part of this offense. It really is, from first look, a combination of Kansas City and Buffalo. And now, of course, Kansas City is from offensive coordinator uh, Mike Kafka. And then Dable brings over the Buffalo offense. So you got the, the spread, quick game, you know, the stuff that they did in Buffalo. I mean, uh, in Kansas City, under Andy Reid, really. Mike Kafka comes from there. The real quick passes. Uh, they threw a ton of balls. I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes and you see his arm and everything, and, but you, you go look at the numbers. They throw a ton of balls at or behind the line of scrimmage or within three yards. And you're going to see that here. You have playmakers, shifty playmakers, like Kadarius Toney, like Wandale Robinson, like Saquon Barkley. And you're going to see sort of a horizontal offense in that regard. A lot of times with the mixed in shots, with the mixed in RPOs plus the downfield offense that really Buffalo ran and Dable ran with Josh Allen. A lot of different playmakers. You know, no real true number one. I know they had Steph Diggs and he was their number one, but they're going to spread that ball around, look at the matchups and exploit them. Say, well, okay, where do we have an advantage? Okay, Kadarius Tony against this guy. You know, we're going to find a couple shots to him, get him the ball. Or Wandale Robinson, whatever. So that's kind of what you saw from the offense. Uh, as for the defense, and I mentioned it before because I said Darnay Holmes, Aaron Robinson, Rodarius Williams. Well, those guys are needed because, man, that secondary is thin. I mean, first of all, their number one corner is Dory Jackson. And if we want to be real here, he's not a real number one corner. I like him as a really good number two corner. He's a lower end number one corner, right? So that's where the Giants are there. And then around him, we don't know who's going to start opposite him. Aaron Robinson, who basically has no track record of success, so a third-round pick last year. His rookie season was kind of derailed by injuries early at the other corner. So really, two questionable starting cornerbacks. Darnay Holmes, who's been way up and down in the slot with Cordell Flott, third-round pick this year as insurance. So unknowns there still, really. Xavier McKinney, who's an ascending player and looks like he's going to be a really good player in this league, as like sort of the one I feel really good about him in his spot guy in the secondary. And then Julian Love, who I view as more of a utility man, now thrust into a starting spot. And what, the contingency for him right now is Dane Belton, a rookie, fourth-round pick? So, man, that secondary, they better be able to rush the passer. And rush the passer consistently. Now, we didn't get to see a lot of Evan Neal. I mean, we didn't get to see a lot of Kayvon Thibodeau, sorry. But that pass rush with Thibodeau, Aziz, you know, they need Blake Martinez to be healthy and, and be back to his old level. Because behind Blake Martinez, what do they have there? Again, rookies. I know they have Tate Crowder at that other spot. But if you Tate Crowder as your starting middle linebacker, I don't feel great about it. So, you know, you have the, the Michael McFadden as sort of Blake Martinez light behind. But again rookie so not a lot of death behind a guy who's coming off a major injury so but I do feel like that pass rush will be better this year 
I do. With Thibodeau, uh, Thibodeau and Ojolari, you feel good about that. And Ojolari looks good. He looks bigger. So you feel good about that pass rush. And Evan Neal, impressive I mean, in regards to, okay, you see that his size and the way he moves. Like It's hard for me to find a path to say Evan Neal's not going to work out. It's just hard for me to find that path. Like his bus rate, to me, is really low. Really low. Now, the one thing I'll say about that is when we talk about linemen in the spring, remember, I said before, helmets and shorts, no shoulder pads. So you, you, how are you really judging linemen? They have to know what they're doing and sort of get in the right spot and not look lost out there. You don't want to get a true evaluation of linemen. So anyone wants to give you a true evaluation of linemen in the spring, you, you, you hang up, you shut your phone off, whatever it is, and you don't really listen. Because unless they put on the pads, come on. What, what, are we, what are we fully evaluating on linemen? Physicality is such a big part of that position. So, But early returns on Evan Neal are strong. Just get Andrew Thomas healthy. Get his ankle healthy. Because when I saw him try and run a couple weeks ago, it was ugly. He was limping hard. Get him healthy. Get two solid tackles. All of a sudden, that line, the baseline is a lot higher. Yes, the interior probably still needs some work. But if you have two solid tackles, which by that middle end of the season, I expect to be the case, as long as they're both playing and healthy. Because remember, he could hit, Evan Neal could have some struggles early in his career. Everybody does. This is the NFL. He's going to be facing high-end pass rushers every week. Like Tennessee, two good pass rushers. Harold Landry, Bud Dupree. Start out right there. Carolina, the next week. You know, Brian Burns, good, like really high-end pass rusher. Cowboys, Michael Parsons coming up not long after that. Green Bay, some good pass rushers. So he'll be tested early. It might not be great, but by the middle end of the season, if they have two quality tackles, their line's in much better shape. And I, I don't, I just can't find a path to bust for Evan Neal right now, unless it's injury. So I feel good about that if I'm the Giants. So that's kind of what I got for you, the, the major points from the spring, from the offseason workouts, OTAs, through minicamp. The Giants are now done, which is great for me on, what, June 9th, June 10th as we sit here. That is a win. We'll get, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But... Before that, I'm going to answer some of your questions. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah, uh, yes. It's about that time where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants after dark. We're going to do a quick seven spot. Question number one, Kyle Hobbs from Twitter. Based on what you've seen so far this spring, which camp position battles are you most excited for upcoming in training camp? Wide receiver is interesting, not so much as a position battle, but I want to see how that playing time pans out. The Giants have a lot of names there. If they could all get healthy, big if, I get it, big if. But, you know, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Wandale Robinson, you got a lot of options there. You got a lot of names. Where are they going to fit in? Now, I think they'll all fit in somewhere. 
Although Darius Slayton is one guy, not really sure what his future is here. I'm a little, if I were him, I'd be a little concerned. I mentioned that earlier. But where do those guys fit in? How do they fit in? Tight end, Daniel Bellinger, Ricky Seals-Jones. That'll be interesting to see who who really is the number one guy. Wasn't Bellinger look like he had the edge this spring? Uh, left guard, Shane Lemieux clearly got the opportunity this offseason to play with the first team. As far as I'm aware, he took every snap with the first team when we were there. Or at least close. But that's in part because Josh Azudu, the rookie third-round pick, was at left tackle because Andrew Thomas's ankle. Azudu probably will slide back in most of the summer or at least go back and forth. So if he impresses, he has a shot. Uh, even like Max Garcia or uh, Jamil Douglas, two veterans, I, I wouldn't completely count them out. So that's a position I'm watching. CB2, with mentioned it before, Aaron Robinson. You know, Rodarius Williams, to me, is a sleeper. At that spot, but I mean, if Nate Jaquet has a good camp, you know, and Aaron Robinson stumbles or gets banged up again, like they could have anybody really starting out there. I mean, Khalil Dorsey, uh, you name it. I mean, I don't see Cordell Flott really playing on the outside, but uh, you know, that CB two spot is one that's that's clearly up for grabs, and I'll be watching the summer. Uh, we go to Instagram. Nick Rose says, "Howdy, Jordan." Does Either Galladay or Tony emerge as a legit wide receiver one this season. I would, it's it's just so hard to count on Kenny Galladay at this point to be a true number one off two seasons where he was just limited by injury. You know, either didn't play or limited, missed games in both seasons, good chunks of games. It's hard for me to see that at this point. And Tony, man, also. So many questions. Do I think they could be good receivers? Yeah. I mean, in this offense, are they going to get fed the ball a ridiculous amount and become true number ones? Man, I'd be surprised if that's the way it panned out this season. I, I just, I really would. I, I just don't see that as uh, the likelihood. The likelihood to me is that the Giants' leading receiver at most has like a thousand yards. Now I'm high. So if, if if you tell me, okay, which guy would I want on my fan? Would I be willing to take on my fantasy team? Like Tony's the guy. He has that upside. I would want him. Galladay to me, a lot of eh. Even Shepard, you know, when Shepard's good, he's like a good guy to have, like a swing guy in fantasy. Like you, so, and 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 then you add in the injury risk. I don't want any, any of that. So, to me, the only one that has high-end range is Tony. But, dude comes with a lot of question marks. If you follow his Instagram, you saw his his story this week that came down at some point. Woo! Pickle. That's all I got to say. Uh, Red Share QB from Twitter says, this is question number three. What was one thing you didn't expect to see but did during minicamp or OTAs? It, I'll say it's Ricky Seals-Jones. Not really getting a ton of first-team reps. I thought I would see him get a lot of first-team reps. Now, maybe they just want to get Daniel Bellinger. You know, what was he, the fourth or fifth-round pick? They wanted to get him a lot of action, get him sort of into the NFL uh, mix. But I thought Ricky Seal-Jones would get a good shot here. We'll see what happens in training camp. But to me, seeing him not, you know, mix in with the second and third teams at times, that was definitely a little surprising. Uh, at Big Blue Fan 1321 on Twitter says, with the lack of CB depth and a quality CB2, could you see the Giants trading away a pick or even a player, Slayton, for a young CB that they view as a building piece for years? Well, first of all, 
you're not getting a building piece for Darius Slayton. You're not even getting a building piece for a draft pick. And why would the Giants, in the position they are, be giving up draft picks? They can't afford doing that for a CB2. And, and other teams, first of all, if they have a young cornerback who's like, peace for the future they're not giving away guys like that so no the solution is they sign a veteran who's out there right now or gets released from a team for the minimum salary at some point and they slot him in there and they throw him in there to hold up for this year so to me and that holds true by the way for safety as well Uh, at Ryan O'Hare says, can Tony play outside and allow Robinson to be in the slot? I do think that Kadarius Tony could play outside. I think he could play inside, outside, backfield. That's the beauty of him. And I think he could do a majority of his snaps on the outside and still be a good player. Like, he runs good routes. He's super fast. And he's tougher and stronger than people give him credit for. I think that was the one thing that we noticed. Like, he took some hits. Remember when he was making all those yards after catch? In part because he makes people miss. but. He also, you know, was bouncing off guys. Like, I, I think he's stronger than people think. So I think he can play outside. Do I want him to play him there 100% of the time? Absolutely not. But if you told me he's going to play there 75% of the time, I think Kadarius Tony could play on the outside 75% of the time. Uh, question number, it's either five or six. I lost count. Only Omar says, who is the player that caught your eye the most? Now, I mentioned before, Saquon, to me, was was the standout of camp, just because I saw a healthier Saquon for the first time in a while. But since I already mentioned that, I'll bring up Justin Hilliard was a player that caught my eye, right? You're like, who the heck is Justin Hilliard? He's a linebacker who's essentially spending time working with the first team, in part because Blake Martinez is still limited coming off that knee injury. But Justin Hilliard is a guy who was undrafted, signed by San Francisco last year. Right out of Ohio State, speedy, fast linebacker. He is uh, sick listed at 6'1, 231. Moves well. At least that's what I saw. And so he was running with the first team a good chunk this spring. Uh, signed by the Giants, no, claimed or signed by the Giants, you know, at cuts basically around cuts last year. Gets injured, lands on IR as an ankle injury. So maybe he's like their Nick Gates. Remember Nick Gates as a rookie, undrafted guy, spent most of his rookie year. On IR, you didn't know who the heck he was. Maybe Justin Hilliard's that guy. Maybe he can play. Uh, at LipJohn underscore 57, this is question number six. Says, is the Giants secondary going to be its biggest weakness this season besides QB? Well, I don't know about QB, but I will say the secondary has me concerned. Yeah, I think it, it can easily be the biggest weakness on this team this season. When I look at it right now, it 100% is. And... Granted, that could be hidden a lot of times. When you have a really good pass rush, if Wink Martindale can create constant pressure, then yeah, you know what? You can hide a bad secondary. Actually, you know what? You can't hide a bad secondary. You can hide a mediocre secondary. But if you have a really bad secondary, which is a concern and which is possible, which is why Wink Martindale, when he made the comment about, you know, you don't get your cornerbacks from DoorDash, you know, and it could apply here, you scratch your head and be like, well, it could be in that situation again. You know, the Baltimore defense was bad last year because they couldn't cover anybody. So you, you worry about that being the case here. And that's why you need Kayvon Thibodeau to be an instant, uh, I'm not going to say star, because that, that's asking too much, but an instant contributor, consistent pass rusher. Question seven at Connor NFL. What's the initial reaction to how the players are feeding off the new coaches and management? 
what's that relationship been like so far and how can you pair it, compare it to the previous regime? Well, I'll say this. When a new regime comes in, there's always optimism early. So you, you're, you're hearing that again now. And I mean, legitimately, everybody I talk to says they love the vibe. It's great. Uh, Dable's a great guy. He relates to players. And that's great. I mean, it's all positive. There's really nothing to knock on that. I might just be a little bit jaded here from the past, what, three or four regimes because it hasn't worked out. And it started off all rosy and great. Remember, it was great. Ben McAdoo was his new age coach coming in for Tom Coughlin, right? Taking the team into the 21st century. Everybody loved Ben McAdoo. They loved when he slicked back his hair. Ben was relating to the players after 11 and 5, you know, first season as head coach. That went awry. Pat Shermer, the adult in the room. Finally, somebody who has control of the room. We love Pat Shermer. That didn't last long. He lost Odell within before the preseason was over. Joe Judge, oh, this guy's great. He knows how to relate to people. He's sliding, diving in the mud, picking up fumbles. He's hard, but he's demanding. But you know what he wants. You what you want. What he wants from you. Now, I'll say this: that you, you do get the sense that, you know, it, and it's sort of like uh, the circle. How like when you have a coach and Joe Judge, who's like a, a hard ass, right? And then you go to a guy who seems who's very player friendly, like Brian Dable, who's just a friendly human being. And Joe Judge is hard and yells and screams. Like that's the way they coach. Like that's the way he want. They want to coach people up. Like that's. He comes from the Saban Belichick tree. I know so does Dable, but he has that personality. And then Dable's just, you know, this congenial, friendly, personable guy in a different way than Joe Judge, because Joe Judge is personal. But when things go wrong, Joe Judge is going to MF you on the field. His coaching staff is going to MF you. They're going to yell. There's a lot less, there's not the yelling that there was before. So when you go from the hard ass coach to the, let's call him more player-friendly coach in dayball, guys are going to like that. There's a different atmosphere. You can make mistakes and, and not get yelled at and screamed at and, and uh, you know, berated. And players have mentioned that in so many words, but that, that's my takeaway from talking to them about what they're sensing so far. They're not scared, especially with young players, I guess it's more valuable. They're not scared to make mistakes now, whereas Joe Judge – that's kind of how he operated and, and his staff operated on the uh, intimidation tactic. So with that, that's the end of this uh, Giants After Dark. On to the next one. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Let's wrap up this episode with a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is the portion of this podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And the reason I want to make this quick is this is the best time of the year. You're in my job or really the NFL in general. When mini camp ends, it's kind of like from mini end of mini camp until the start of training camp. Like that's your downtime. That's your summer break. Like teachers get summer break. This is reporters summer break. Now I got a couple things to do, a couple stories to write. Uh, during this time, but for the most part, this is when you go on vacation, you pick up the golf game, more on that in a second. Uh, you know, just do what you want to do in your, in your spare free time. Travel. I go to LBI. It's my summer, my summer destination back and forth. And then your summer ends early. I mean, July 26th or 27th, it was in the Giants report. So because they ended early this year, they started a week early because that's an option you get when you have a new head coach. They ended early. So they start early. They end a week early than usual. Now we have from what? Let's say June 9th to the 26th. You're talking about 48 days. Okay. 48 days. Seven full weeks. Basically relaxing. You know, you're not working full time. You're taking vacation. There's not much going on. Unless, of course, Jason Pierre-Paul blows off his hand, which you could do without that on July 4th weekend for sure. Or you could do without that in general because it's not a good thing for anybody, especially Jason Pierre-Paul. But in general, the best time of the year started the last day of minicamp. Really, Brian Dable made it. See, brownie points again. Made it start a day early. So beautiful right there. Now, during this time, I'm going to be working on my golf game. I'm like a 12, 13 handicap, which is pedestrian. I'm not great. But I might have a match coming up against Saquon Barber. Get a piece of him before he's too good and he can beat me. So let me tell you. A couple of years ago, Saquon starts playing. And I have a friend of a friend whose brother or something is sending along videos or somebody, something, took a video of Saquon on the course. He's just learning how to play. First time, he literally hits the ball straight right, like to the point where it's on like the green to his right. And everyone, the guy who's taking the video is just laughing. Next video I get a couple months later, Saquon on the tee, just flat out whiffing, right? So he's just picking up the game. He's not very good. But now he's been playing a lot. He's getting better. I've seen his swing. It's good. So I said to him, I'm going to get a piece of you before you're too good for me. Because there will be a point, and it's coming soon. It might even be already, where he's better than me. But I'm going to try to take him down before that happens. You know, emasculate him. Dominate. You know, and, and he's super competitive. Saquon is super, super competitive. He hates losing. So I will take great joy in making that happen. Now I got to do it quick, because otherwise I'm in danger. And then he's going to. Make me feel little again. And I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's not going to happen. We're not, we're not letting those negative thoughts come in. So I'll keep you updated. Hopefully we got the big matchup with Saquon Barkley coming at some point during this downtime. And with that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, reach out. You got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. You know how to find me. Like, subscribe, tell your friends. We're available on all podcast platforms and the new ESPN New York app. Check it out. It's actually really good. Uh, Breaking Big Blue is on there. Nice, easy to, to navigate, find, and listen. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue.
See you next time.